Hello, this is Nikki, Mindset and Life Coach, and you are listening to the Mind House Ball Podcast, where we are on a mission to normalize normal conversations, get comfortable with our mental health, and provide space for growth, learning, and empowerment. Thank you for joining us, and I'm so glad you are here. I am well, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm so good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I am super, super, super excited to have this conversation with you. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Um, do you so want to give yourself a little introduction just so everybody who's listening knows who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Millie. Um, I'm the founder of Girlkind, which is a nonprofit connecting young women to mental health resources. So um, we love to chat about connection and belonging and community and empowering the self through, um, yeah, being part of a community. So I am trained in journalism and um, positive psychology. So it's been a kind of a strange um, roadmap for me to get where I was, but I feel like now I'm very much in line with my passion and, um, you know, mentoring and helping others. So, um, yeah, I kind of drifted over from the lifestyle journalism space um, when I was living over in America into this space almost accidentally. I think it kind of happened really organically in in a way that I had a little bit of an audience and had, um, you know, a number of young women following me and actually reaching out to me, which at the time was, you know, really, really brave of them um, because we were strangers and they would be asking questions, you know, indirectly about mental health and how to, you know, live a happier life and how to, um, how to kind of stop negative thoughts and things like that. So I noticed there was this, yeah, this need for a community and more education around the stuff that we didn't learn in school. And that's kind of how Girlkind came to be through a few focus groups and a lot of surveys um, asking young women what they needed. And then I recruited the help of um, about 12 uh, other female industry leading experts in mindfulness, self-defense, skincare, um, all of those sorts of things that, again, we didn't learn in school. Um, And yeah, I I noticed as I was kind of learning through these experts and building the curriculum to help others that I indirectly learned a lot about myself and my own mental health. I, in high school, didn't know it at the time, but I had a generalized anxiety disorder, um, which is quite common these days. Um, But yeah, only really was able to kind of diagnose that with the help of a therapist that I only have seen in the last couple of years. And it's just interesting how now at 23, I'm only just learning how to label um, and navigate through, um, you know, this type of mental health journey when previously I was kind of only in tune with my physical health. And I guess that's part of our messaging at Girlfriend that it's so important to be able to understand your brain so you can like your life better absolutely i love that and it's so true that that all of these skills and tools that we need to manage our mental health should be taught to us at at the age of um you know when we're in our teens when we're to to understand these thoughts and we're just unfortunately not given the tools so i i'm i absolutely love that that's what your company does and that's your mission with Girlkind so that's amazing I didn't realize you were only 23 yeah yeah 
yeah, I think um, living overseas kind of pushes you to, I don't know, grow up, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah. You've lived in London and LA, right? Um, no, not London, sadly. I would like to, um, only America. Uh, yeah. 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 Wow. And you've achieved so much at the age of 23. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So thank you for that introduction. Um, I'm keen to know throughout school and your career, have you ever personally suffered or with, I, I mean, I know you just briefly touched on it then, but can you mm. see your experience with um, the self-doubt and the self-deprecation yeah. and sort of what you experienced at that time? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> anxiety kind of is this fluid um, diagnosis that changes throughout your lifestyle and what you're experiencing at that time. So for example, like I said, in high school, I experienced anxiety around, um, you know, my exams and my grades and friendships and things like that. But now that I'm out of high school, I experience anxiety around traveling and um, kind of this, um, my self identity and um, feeling like I'm not good enough in my work or my career or, you know, attending meetings with like real adults who are much older than I am and much more experienced, um, kind of that like imposter syndrome, I guess. So it's definitely changed over time, but I think at its core, it really comes down to unhelpful thinking styles for me anyway. And obviously that just kind of, that just kind of means allowing your negative thoughts to take over in a number of different ways. There's a whole bunch of negative thoughts that can impact us right from um, events that happen to the thoughts that happen to the feelings and emotions and the behavior that actually comes from that. So it's really interesting how this abstract concept turns into your physical life and turns into your decisions and yeah, shows itself in a number of different ways. Um, I found that really fascinating to learn during therapy um, and through my studies in a diploma of positive psychology. Um, it's, it's a very interesting concept. It's part of cognitive behavioral therapy, which um, a number of counselors and psychologists actually use. And all it comes down to is actually trying to manage and stop those negative thoughts and reframe them into something more positive. So it's obviously, it sounds basic and it sounds easy to do. And, you know, once we understand that that's what it is, we can actually recognize, okay, well, that train of thought is pretty negative and, am I being rational? You can start to kind of question from a different perspective, like, okay, am I lying to myself? Who told me that story? Why am I still telling myself that story? Is it true? Is my thinking irrational? Is my thinking overtaken by emotion? And you can kind of, yeah, self-regulate a little bit and go, okay, no, like, you know, I am a good friend. I am just, you know, over catastrophizing, um, which is a type of negative thought. So yeah, learning that, simple concept and working on that, which of course isn't easy, has been something for me that has been really, really powerful, um, which is fascinating. I think like, why don't we learn that in school? I don't know. I know. Yeah. Um, I love that you've um, sort of said that that's kind of where you started to change your, your perception and your opinion, because that's ex exactly how I sort of be began to learn more about mental health as well. And you're right when, when, when we talk about it, it sounds so simple, but I think it's so ironic that the part of us that we're trying to tra train or change 
is the part of us that's trying to change it. So we're trying to change our thinking by using yes. um, I always I always say with my clients when I give them an exercise or explain something that's going to help them, I know I say it really matter of fact because it is matter of fact. And as soon as you yeah. it will become matter of fact to you. But it's just that sort of in between part where you you have to just break through those patterns and those um, like you said, the old beliefs and who told me mm. the story? Is it true? Is it not true? Probably not. It's probably not true. Yeah. Um, our brains are just so powerful, and mm. and it it can be it can be a really scary place sometimes. But I think yeah, by learning these things, these tiny little tools that we can start mm. implement, you can gain control back of your thoughts. Yeah. And obviously, you know, our brain is really powerful, which can be a good and a bad thing for people who have really high cognitive function. They're kind of more prone to mental illness because they're the overthinkers and the overanalyzers. But at the same time, we're able to kind of through this incredible thing called neuroplasticity, we're able to kind of rewire those um, thought patterns and yeah, build new neural pathways that can build new habits. I think it takes about 66 days to build a new neural pathway, which is why people talk about affirmations and things like that and why they're so powerful because over that short period of time, which obviously takes a lot of effort and dedication Mm -hmm. and strength, um, we are actually able to, you know, rewire our brain a little bit, which I think is a really hopeful thing to think about in these times where we feel like we're, you know, Mm -hmm. at rock bottom. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, a phrase that I came across recently, which is it's so simple, but it just stuck out to me. And it was, it's not a bad season. It's it's not a bad life. It's a bad season. Right. Um, yeah. When you're in that dark place and you're getting all of these negative thoughts, it can be so hard to see that the light at the end of the tunnel. It can be so hard mm-hmm. to imagine life without those thoughts. But just by implementing simple tools like with the one that you just explained where you know you question your thoughts and you don't automatically believe that they're all true yeah that is a really powerful way to just yeah. forward out of that box so mm. anybody who's listening to this who is receiving thoughts that you feel like are, are really negative and they aren't helpful to you and that yeah changing your physiology and how you feel ask yourself you know just like millie said why am I, where did this thought come from? Who told me this? Is this helping me mm. forward? Um, is this thought true? So um, exactly. challenging them, questioning yourself, yeah. not just automatically taking it as the truth. Yeah, for sure. Um, looking back from when you was in school, when you said that you mm. were experiencing these thoughts and you didn't have, you didn't know why, how do you feel about that situation now looking back? Um, I feel very much relieved, um, that I wasn't alone, that I was able able to, you know, I guess, diagnose this and label it and know that I'm not strange or odd or broken. I am a human being with, you know, um, a high cognitive function or whatever it is, or hereditary, um, mental illness, whatever it may be. Um, alongside so many other Australians. Um, So I just feel, I feel empowered being able to know what it is and put a name on it 
and take that to a therapist and say, hey, I'm experiencing, um, you know, negative thoughts. I'm experiencing anxiety in these physical symptoms um, and feel kind of proud of the self-awareness that comes with that because obviously with self-awareness um, comes acceptance, comes the ability to actually work on things and move through them and change or um, live with anxiety and manage the symptoms so much better than I was able to when I was 15 and I had no idea what anxiety meant. Um, So that's obviously why the education is so powerful. It empowers us to take ownership of that and actually move forward with it instead of feeling completely debilitated by it. Yeah, I totally agree. So is it so you said it was only recently in your early 20s where you actually yeah. what it was so at mm-hmm. the time, was that something that you talked about or not really um I wasn't able to find the language really or the framework to actually express it to others so it came across to others in a really um unregulated way for example you know I might get really angry or I might start crying for what looks like no reason or I might get overstimulated and and not be able to tolerate um, being in a crowd or loud noises and without being able to say oh don't mind me I've got overstimulation anxiety or whatever it is um, you feel like you're strange or you're odd or you're over exaggerating um, my family often joked that I was, you know, a drama queen because I wouldn't be able to manage every situation as well as my brothers who um, at the time I don't think really suffered from, because I'm the oldest, they, they weren't really at that stage yet. So yeah, I, I think it's just, yeah, really powerful to be able to um, put a label on those things and actually express it to others um, because then you're able to set boundaries. And I think boundaries are one of like, God's gifts honestly like I think if it wasn't for boundaries I think we'd all get in a lot of situations that weren't right for us and it's only now that I'm able to find the strength and language to set those boundaries for example oh, I, I can't do music festivals like they're just not for me mm-hmm. um please understand that I suffer from anxiety um and that's fine like own that that's who you are and you know you could you I could go to a music festival I've been to Coachella's and it's it's great but I don't want to because it makes me really anxious and that's fine I'm just I'm not a festival person who cares I I enjoy other things yeah yeah okay yeah and and (coughs) sorry excuse me um so so when you talk about you know having the conversations with your friends and when you were younger even with Mm. them if you couldn't find the words or do you feel like it's only sort of now that you've you've been able to so even when you're talking with people who are sort Mm. of age as you um yeah no I didn't I didn't find the words because I didn't believe that I kind of had anxiety I, I didn't really even know what anxiety was I thought it was a really clinical term reserved for people with severe mental illness um so I wasn't able to have that conversation with myself, let alone my peers or my family. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that sucks. I, I wish that I was able to better, um, yeah, understand myself and have more yeah. self-awareness at that age because I think it's ridiculous that um, I only kind of came across these concepts through 
you know, my work with girl kind and studying positive psychology, like we shouldn't have to take up a degree in positive psychology to understand our brain. I think it should be taught alongside maths and English because Absolutely. at the end of the day, this is the home, the only home that we have to live in and we have to make it really comfortable or it's going to be a really, really hard life. I totally, totally agree. And um, just going back to what you were saying about have, having things been taught in school, that's the whole reason I incorporated the word school into my business name because when I started to learn about the brain and um, I would never say that me, I didn't personally ever feel like I, even looking back, had anxiety or anything um, in that respect. But what I would say is that I really struggled to regulate my emotions. So yeah. um, I would feel like, um, and even just co to communicate how I felt, I found that really yeah. well. Um, mm. And since, you know, personal development and reading and understanding more about how the, the brain works and our bodies work and the connections with, the, with both, um, has mm. been one of, if not, if, no, it's been the most yeah. valuable experience yeah. that I have ever, uh, that I've ever had throughout every type of education, you know, primary school, yeah. high school, college, university, and then beyond. Because what's the point in learning all of this outside knowledge if you can't right. learn it internally? And exactly. there's a, such a huge gap within these high schools and from an earlier age, even from a younger age. Um, so Millie, do you have any types of, um, any methods or anything that you can give us now, which you can share for like self-regulation or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think those kind of skills are, as you said, some of the most important that we can learn as human beings with a brain function um, and a level of mental health. So the first one obviously being um, challenging those unhelpful thinking styles. I think that's a really great place to start. Um, but other than that, I think mindfulness and meditation, if that's something you want to do, can also really help. Um, I kind of struggled with the concept of meditation at first because I kind of saw it as, you know, um, like monks sitting around in robes and like for like two hours. And I was like, that that's so inaccessible for me. It's not relatable. I can't do that. I have like my brain, my thoughts are racing constantly, which is kind of why I need meditation even more. Yeah. Um, but I found that mindfulness and meditation really tied into each other when we think about the fact that meditation really is just about connecting the brain to the body. So for me, meditation exists through mindfulness, which technically is a form of meditation, but I don't sit down very often at all to like close my eyes and sit cross-legged and do, you know, 20 minutes of meditation. For me, it's more about mindfulness in everyday activities and being able to, um, build a routine around um, making sure I incorporate mindfulness into every day. So for example, um, if I'm like hanging the clothes on the washing line, um, that'll take me like 10 minutes sometimes. And that's like a quiet 10 minutes where I'm doing repetitive action, doesn't really require um, much of a thought process. So that's a time where I can kind of just, you know, breathe, soak in the sunshine, the fresh air, 
kind of um, soothe my thoughts a little bit and drop any ones that are a little bit chaotic or a little bit unhelpful, unproductive. Um, otherwise, it's walking the dogs um, or sometimes in the shower, like I'll just stand there and do breathing. Um, even eating sometimes, I try to eat mindfully because often um, I kind of eat either like watching something or with one hand while I'm answering emails or on the phone or whatever um, because I often don't like to be left alone with my thoughts. I kind of try everything to procrastinate being left alone with my thoughts, which is why meditation was so hard for me to grasp. Mm. But when you kind of access it from this really relatable place, like, okay, well, I'll just go for a walk with the dogs for like half an hour. And even if 10 minutes of that half an hour, I really focused on trying to quieten my brain and connect my brain to my body, then that's, that's enough for me. So I would definitely um, encourage you to find those mindful moments throughout your day. They can be totally abstract. They can be really, really different um, to the person next to you. It just has to be something, you know, brushing your teeth. It can be honestly anything that suits you in your lifestyle. But I find in order to remember to do it, you've got to tie it into something that already exists for you, i.e. brushing your teeth or walking the dogs um, until you kind of build that muscle and can access it elsewhere, like sitting down and doing 30 minutes of meditation or listening to a podcast with your eyes closed, um, kind of ramming it up from there. But even, you know, the 10 minutes a day, that's awesome. So that's kind of like the everyday stuff. And then in order to, I guess, self-regulate if you're experiencing kind of mild or low level um, anxiety or worry, um, there's a couple of self-soothing exercises that I really, really like. One of them is breathing. So it's the 478 model. All you do is breathe really deeply into your gut, not your chest um, for four and then you hold for seven and then you breathe out, breathe out for eight and you do that three times. And apparently the science behind this is that you're disconnecting from your sympathetic nervous system, which is that fight or flight mode where you've got that adrenaline running and you kind of manually switch over to the parasympathetic nervous system, which actually helps regulate um, your breathing and your emotions and reduces that adrenaline. So I thought that was like incredibly powerful. I know everybody tells us to breathe, but before this um, information, I was like, okay, like how much can breathing help, help me? But yeah. if I can manually switch nervous systems, like, oh my God, like that's amazing. That's so, so cool. So that's something I use every single day. I try to do it at least twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. I often do it in the shower, as I said, when I'm standing there so that I remember to. Otherwise, my Apple Watch tells me to breathe as well, which is great. Um, and then a grounding exercise when I'm experiencing kind of the more acute panic or stress um, includes the five senses. So you um, kind of just sit there or stand there and close your eyes or actually, no, you don't need to close your eyes for this one um, because you need your five senses. So you name five things that you can see, four things that you can hear, three things that... Um, what are the other senses? You get the picture um, yeah. using the five senses. So you count down from five and that kind of helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brings you back into the present moment, which when having a brain that likes to time travel and stress about the past and the future, being able to ground yourself and lock yourself back into the present by actually focusing on what's happening right now around you visually, audibly, that is a really powerful grounding exercise as well. And yeah, these sounded really simple to me and I didn't really understand them or their benefits, but 
from practicing them and looking at the research behind them, I can positively say that they're really, really powerful skills to have. Yeah. Women remember and use. Yeah. Absolutely. And I loved how you just said that um, when you realized that you could manually switch systems, because that's also how, when, when I figured that out, that was a little bit for me, like, we have this, we have this brain, we have this mind, which is so powerful, but we're actually in control and you just have to do. So just like your brain can put you into a state of fight or flight, your brain can take you out of that state as well. So um, I'll just add on a little bit of more information from that because Mm, yeah, what happens when you're, when your body is experiencing um, anxiety you uh, you're, you're you're basically in um survival mode because your body yeah. your body doesn't know how how to react any other way so that's why the fight or flight is activated and it's essentially mm. like a little switch that's flicked on and your body just instantly goes into survival mode so your digestion digestive system turns off because in survival mode you don't need to be digesting your food um all of these other things, our, our eyesight goes into tunnel vision because we're focused on the threat and our, our breath goes really quick and, and, and our heartbeat races because we need the adrenaline. So if you imagine all of those symptoms and all of those um, sort of uh, th- things that you, you would have activated within your body and think about how you can reverse them. So the, the other great one on top of the breathing is that your eyesight is in tunnel vision because you're in fight or flight but if you switch that backwards so if you then it's called using your peripheral vision so if you imagine Mm. the device that you're looking at now or if if you're looking at something ahead of you if you focus on that point and instead of just so you've got the the point in front of you and you imagine all of the, the space around your eyes here as well so it's called your peripheral vision and everything that you can see like all the way kind of like to the back and yeah so if you keep your eyes focused right in front of you and then keep going like this until you can actually see your hands, <laughs> anybody mm-hmm. who's listening to this isn't going to know what we're doing. <laughs> and then like even sort of like all the way to the edge of the room and just basically, mm-hmm. just basically noticing what's around you because when you're on t- tunnel vision, you can still see that, but you're not aware of it. So it's not right. like you, you, your eyesight only sees the part that you're focusing yeah. on. You just only focus on the threat because you're focused on survival. So if you switch mm. how, your, how your eyesight is, how you're using your eyesight, you, you will automatically go back to yeah. the, the other system. Yeah. How interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. So those two tools, the breathing all the way down to your belly, um, and then mm. the other thing is that if there's anybody who's um, who's quite young, or, or even anybody who's who, you know parents who are listening to this who've got children who experience um, really strong emotions and they can't quite regulate themselves, um, asking them to lie down on a bed and putting maybe a, a teddy bear on their belly or something that's on their belly, belly that they feel comfortable with. And practicing rising and dropping like that so that the teddy bear will mm. rise and drop or if you know if you, you can use a, a book or anything like that and by yeah. just in your breaths and making your breaths really long um you will you will automatically go back into the the other system and you will feel yeah at least in a in a neutral state if not in a calm state so right yeah yeah neutrals the goal and then anything better than that's awesome yeah Yeah, right um 
but you're right they do seem so simple but that's it it literally is simple it's just knowing what to do yeah yeah for sure um thank you so much for sharing that they're really helpful tips um so what if that doesn't work what would be the next steps after that yeah so i think it's really important to mention that that is obviously um for really um you know low level or mild um personal crisis but if you um are in need of support there's so many um really great options so um there i would probably recommend um that i mean i like to say that everyone should see a therapist once in their life i think the least that can happen is that you walk away with more self-awareness as we were speaking about um so you know kind of doing a preventative measure of um mental health is yeah seeing a therapist or a counselor even just talking openly with your friends or trusted loved ones um, can be really helpful but if you find yourself in a position where you do need extra support outside of your immediate circle with someone kind of anonymous um, or someone professionally trained um, there are a number of resources um, here in Australia such as Lifeline, Beyond Blue um, and Headspace. Headspace is a great one if you're under 24 in Australia. You can access their therapists and counsellors um, and mental health professionals for free um, or you can actually go see your GP, your doctor and ask for a mental health plan um, and then you can yeah see um, a professional for free basically and it's yeah part of our access to um, yeah, the, the health network here in Australia, which I think is awesome. That's really great. Um, yeah, and then obviously the, the highest kind of level of crisis is suicide, which is something that we don't talk about enough. Um, I think there's this stigma around it, of course, but there's also this fear that if we say the word suicide to someone who we think might be suicidal or have suicidal tendencies that we're gonna you know push them over the edge or give them an idea when they didn't already have that idea but that's actually false we're not actually capable of doing that so um there's an institute called qpr which um, i'm trained underneath anybody can do it um and qpr is kind of a play on cpr so you know the fact that we learn um physical first aid um means that we should also learn mental health first aid. So QPR is the question, persuade and refer model, which is these three simple steps that anyone can learn to help save a life from suicide. And it basically teaches you the knowledge and the skills to identify the warning signs that someone may be suicidal or showing to suicidal tendencies. And then it gives you the confidence to talk to them and ask them about their suicidal thoughts, which is obviously the most, um, stressful step for a lot of people they often don't want to open that conversation they feel really fearful around that but that is actually something that can be really powerful and, and save a life from suicide um, and then obviously the third step which is the refer model after question and persuade persuade obviously being um, to kind of open that conversation and persuade them to let you um, either step in and get assistance um, or persuade them to talk to someone yeah. Um, and then you refer them and connect them with professional care. So your duty of care only extends to that. Um, and, you know, if they, if they don't want help and they refuse help, then at least you um, tried. I mean, what's the worst that can happen with trying? You open that conversation and you let them know that you're there for them and that mm -hmm. their emotions and feelings are valid. So um, I think that's something really interesting to think about. Um, and 
Yeah, I just, I, I just wish that we talked about these mental health support pathways more often because before my work with Belkind, I didn't really even know where to start. Whereas now, um, you know, there's a number of um, phone lines that you can call around the world and now they're offering um, a lot of texting availability. So you can kind of just jump on your phone, text a lifeline. I've texted lifeline before when I was feeling really, really low and you get connected with a mental health professional um, and you just chat to them on text, like you're talking to a friend, but they're actually a stranger who can mostly help challenge those unhelpful um, and unproductive thoughts. That's kind of their area of expertise. And then beyond that, they need to refer you, of course, to a psychologist or, or someone with more of um, a complex duty of care. Um, but yeah, I find that really helpful. And I think a lot of people do, they just don't know it's there or they feel fearful of using it, but that's, why the resource exists um, for people like us. They're not reserved for people um, just in really high level crisis. It's, it's any reason, any time. Um, I encourage you to make the most of them and uh, normalize the fact that we have access to them and that we, we text Lifeline sometimes like, cool, that's awesome. Like, that's great. <laughs> I go to therapy, hell yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for sharing those. And um, we'll put those contacts and numbers that you just explained yeah. in the description in the podcast. So Amazing. anybody who wants to just directly access them, they'll be there. Um, Perfect. And I totally agree with what you were saying about normalizing the conversation. So that's the whole reason why I wanted to create this podcast because yeah, I, I as a as a coach, I experience all of these conversations one on one, and then mm. and then it's almost as if I. I the call ends and then I'm like okay back to normal and I don't want that to be the case anymore I want these conversations that I'm having in private with my clients to be normal and that everybody you know you know people should feel comfortable speaking with their parents people should feel comfortable speaking with their um siblings or friends or whoever it is and I get that the uncomfortable part is is on both parties maybe the, you know the person doesn't want to share but also the person who's receiving that information might not know how to respond so you're mm. absolutely right the more that we educate the more that we talk about yeah. it the more that we that, pe that also it, the individuals you know push themselves to learn more about it too and um, yeah. the mental health first aid course that you was talking about is a great place to start um I've also done it myself it, did, did you do like the day mm. um was it just one one day course no, I didn't do the mental health first aid program. I just oh. did the QPR program, oh. which is the question persuade refer model for suicide prevention. Yeah. Um, but mental health first aid is also really great. Yeah. And there's so many, there's so many of them available in Australia. Um, mm. super easy to get booked onto. So I'd highly recommend that, you know, they're great places to start just Getting, yeah. getting that information for you even if you don't know anybody who's suffering even if you know you don't know anybody who immediately needs that support there might be a chance there's, there's there might be a chance that they're yeah. online and it's a proactive measure it's a way to be proactive exactly to get the information before you need it so mm. being proactive with your mental health is the best thing that you could ever do for yourself and your family and your friends yeah totally um, well, thank you so much for sharing all of that information, Lily. It's been so helpful and um, oh, good. definitely help um, the listeners understand a little bit more about um, their own mental health and where they can get support. 
um, specifically in alignment with the Are You OK month, which is September, which is such a great initiative. Mm. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing your story. And is there anything that you want to say to round off? Or do you want to tell us a little bit about what Girl Kind has got coming up in the future? Yeah, so um, thanks for having me, of course. It's been <laughs> great. Um, and yeah, it's interesting that you touched on mental health first aid because we're actually working with our psychologist and a few um, psych honours students at UQ at the moment doing some research to build a mental health first aid program. So we're very, very excited. Yeah, we we wanted to, I chatted um, when I first came home to Brisbane with Amy Kate from the Mindful Collective, our psychologist and advisor. She's just superhuman. She's amazing. Um, about how to scale her incredible work. She works one-on-one as a psych. um, And, yeah, how we can scale that up into the mainstream high schools around Australia um, because not everyone can access a psychologist. So having this kind of basic mental health first aid training um, is something that we really want to achieve. And, of course, there are some already out there, but we wanted to create one especially just for youth um, that's really accessible and relatable and makes sense and that is in our language um, because we just think that's really important so um, yeah it's going to be it's going to be an online um, facilitation obviously we can do some in-person stuff once um, you know coronavirus has left the building but (laughs) at the moment yeah it's it's going to be something that's really accessible so if we can't get to the school they can just have it um and do it online and and finish it in about two hours so it's going to be um also focused on self-harm prevention and um education and how to manage acute stress and panic um and yeah how to deal with a situation when someone is in imminent danger or building up to suicide or uh or has suicidal tendencies um and just having conversations that are very research informed with the most up-to-date information of course heavily heavily evidence-based um yeah how to how to communicate this to ourselves how to communicate it to others and how to obviously help others in particular situations but indirectly learning how to help ourselves Mm -hmm. so um that's our biggest project ever. Um, it won't be um, live for a number of months now because we want to get it, you know, absolutely um, airtight, rock solid. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very passionate about that and being able to bring that to high schools around Australia and potentially, you know, saving um, people a lot of pain and loneliness and um, potentially saving a life. Amazing absolutely amazing I love that so much oh well that's so exciting and such a great cause and like we said all the way through this podcast that is so 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 needed there's such a gap there that needs to be filled so um that's super exciting for you yeah thank you thank you so much for um the chat it's been amazing um and where can people find you so we're at we are girl kind uh, Girlkind is G-R-L-K-N-D and I'm at Millie Rose Bannister so Instagram's probably the best place to start otherwise you can go to girlkind.org and find everything there yes love that so much well thank you so much um thank you no doubt that everything that you're going to do in the future is going to be amazing and oh thank you oh you too thanks so much okay thanks I'll see you soon
Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on our Are You Okay campaign and I really hope this conversation helps you realise that nothing is out of your reach. If you feel like you are struggling right now, please reach out to a friend, family member or medical professional to seek help. I promise there are so many people waiting for your phone call. If this was helpful, please reshare on your socials and tag at Mindtouchschool and don't forget to leave us a review.